welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Football Chat Ask Me Anything series tonight featuring a superstar. He says he isn't, but I disagree. Uh, it's Matt Hicks at the FF Educator on Twitter. He's the director of fantasy football. Uh, he's a podcast creator and host. Um, let's look here. I want to skip any of them. He, he he produces content like a machine, to say the least. Uh, he's the official director of fantasy football for the NFL Draft Bible for, for Sports Illustrated, co-host of the Draft Seminar, part of the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network, host of the Rookie Big Board Podcast, and he's a great evaluator about the rookies coming through the draft process and up through the rookie seasons. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I've been uh, I've been excited for this since you reached out to me. I checked out the Discord, and, and you know, it's draft season, so I'm happy to talk about this stuff. It's great. Um, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Uh, the Draft Seminar has tons of great info for all the listeners out there that – haven't had a chance to check it out yet. You can find it on Apple Podcast on the uh, NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network. There's a broad range there, but the draft seminars in particular, they're easy to digest. They're not too long, but they're chock full of information. I want to say I particularly enjoyed the Kadarius Tony one most recently, I believe. Uh, there's a lot of information that I didn't know about, including the whole quarterback uh as him in high school uh, and how that sort of has led to his skill set moving into the nfl and i figure that's a good place to start but before that is there anything that i missed there uh that you'd like to plug away now now is the time we want to hear what you've got coming out i think you nailed it all i would just uh throw out there that rookie big board is on YouTube too. And we do some film stuff on there as well. And that's kind of been blowing up uh, kind of the last like month. So I know folks have been enjoying that. So you can check it out, rookie big board on YouTube. And then, uh, you know, I got the Patreon too, and, and we're going to talk through some of the guys on the big board, but uh, that's patreon.com slash the FF educator. And that's where I do all my rookie profiles, Debbie rankings, dynasty rankings, all the good stuff. Perfect. I'll track down those links and I'll be sure that we, uh, get those posted for the chat so that nobody misses out on that opportunity to get in there. Uh, I know I'm certainly going to be jumping into that Patreon. Um, uh, never too much quality fancy football content, but uh, let's, let's dive right in. Shall we? Uh, Kadarius Tony, he seems to be one of the most po- polarizing figures coming into this NFL draft. And I want to know what side of the fence you lay on. Yeah, so Tony right now, he's my wide receiver um, 12. Yeah, he's my wide receiver 12 right now. So I'm definitely lower than consensus on him. My, You know, I actually have a pretty pretty solid film evaluation on him in terms of his grade. Uh, you know, I really like his athleticism, of course. His handwork has been really impressive. Uh, yards after catchability, uh, really strong. All of those things are positives, but... I always proceed with a little bit of caution when it comes to college players with high manufactured production. Um, And, and, you know, Florida really made a point to get it into Kadarius Tony's hands. And that, that worries me a little bit because it doesn't matter how talented you are in college. 
once you get to the NFL level, you know, an offense isn't going to run through you in the same way. There's just too many talented guys out there. So uh, Tony is a guy for me who, if he lands in the right landing spot, you know, he could just shoot up the board. But I'm a little worried that if the NFL wants him to be a gadgety type player, if he gets that day three draft capital, which is kind of where I'm projecting him to be in a really strong class, that I'm just proceeding with with caution on him. But the other thing, you know, to keep in mind is that being wide receiver 12 in this year's draft class, it doesn't sound nice, but it's really not a knock. Like this is a stacked class this year. Agreed. 110%. Yeah, I was going to say uh, wide receiver 12, uh, whenever you threw that number out, it's like I'm, I'm not sure if that's, you know, that doesn't sound awful. I mean, top 12 wide receiver coming out of the college landscape, it's got to be a pretty good sign. Um but agreed on the gadgety player. Don't want to get sort of locked in the corner. Um, and, you know, you can only run so many Curse Samuel plays, although I say that and the man eats. But um, moving into some of the things that you think he does well, um, in your opinion, what are some of the biggest reasons that these college stars fail to transition to the NFL? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, when it comes to my film evaluation process, uh, I was doing it informally for a little while, but this is about the fourth uh, draft season that I've been formally uh, putting together an evaluation process that's specific for fantasy football. So, you know, that really is kind of where my focus is on the overlap between, you know, college football and then translation to fantasy football success. And uh, for me, I've kind of honed that. And, and there are certain traits uh, that I think, you know, kind of catch our eye a little bit more and get us maybe a little bit more excited. They look better on the highlight reel, uh, but don't necessarily translate over as well. And uh, one of the things that Kadarius Tony is really good at is, is one of those traits, right? So yards after catchability. That's something that I think we get really excited about. And like, you know, I was in on Nikhil Harry. Uh, I, I like Nikhil Harry a lot coming out. And part of it's that he's on the Patriots and he hasn't been healthy. But He had uh, all the metrics. He had all the metrics. He had the metrics and he won after the catch, which is a really exciting thought. Um, but when you look at the way you win in the NFL, it just doesn't work in the same way. Uh, and even, uh, you know, another good example on the other side of that, uh, CeeDee Lamb. He was my wide receiver one coming out last year. I love CeeDee Lamb. And part of the reason I loved him was yards after catch. Uh, but even the way that C.D. Lamb won this year, right? Because he did. He had a really good rookie season considering everything the Cowboys went through. He wasn't doing it with his uh, yards after catch ability. You know, that he it didn't look that good. It's, it's so much more difficult to find space and operate in space in the NFL. And so that's why some of these folks who really rely on that yak ability to, to put up points – um, I, I don't ever want to write them off, but it's just I'm not willing to pay that that premium value. Yeah, um, don't want to, uh, especially with such a, you, you know, like you just said, a talented draft class coming in, you don't want to pay that price. And, you know, when there's so many options on the board, I mean, maybe, you know, later we start thinking about those risks. but certainly uh plenty of talent to be had there um and not really i mean going back to Kadarius tony let's say he lands in your dream landing spot 
where where how far does he jump up your board? I mean, there's still so much talent above him that I yeah. feel like it, it's just hard to. I don't know. It's going to be a good draft. I'm excited because I am in the middle of a couple of rebuilds and I've got more <laughs> picks than brain cells at this point. And um, yeah, I mean, be- I, I think in terms of like you know his ability to move up the board. So I, I kind of see. Uh, you know, I'm not sure for me, he can get much higher than wide receiver seven. Maybe, you know, I'm looking at guys in my top seven, like Chase, Waddle, Marshall, Smith, Moore, Wallace, Bateman, unless some of those guys get, you know, one of them goes to Baltimore. All right. They're going to fall off. Right. So, you know, maybe he can get ahead of one or two of those guys, but you know, I, I don't see him cracking the, the top five even, but you know, I mean, this year's draft class, especially at the top, it's a really impressive group for wide receivers. And, you know, what I've been telling everybody, especially, you know, focusing on rebuilding rosters, like spend the next couple months before your rookie draft buying your second round picks. You know, you got to pay the premium for the first round picks, but buy those second round picks because the wide receivers you're going to get in the second round of this year's draft is, is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, another player that you were seemed to be lower than consensus, lower than consensus, consensus on. Goodness gracious, it's been a long day. Um, was Rashad Bateman as a prospect? Um, seems like a player that the analytics should absolutely love, but we've seen a pretty wide range of takes from the more film centric analysts. What's the biggest knock or weakness you see in his game translating to the NFL? Yeah, I've kind of picked up this label as a Bateman hater, and I actually like Rashad Bateman. <laughs> you know, I, I think he's going to be a good NFL player, but I don't I don't like him as much as I think, you know, draft Twitter uh, as kind of a consensus likes him. And for me, it goes back to just what I was talking about. If, if I put in Rashad Bateman into my formula in, in my first, you know, go around in, in, in building out the formula that I use for grading wide receivers – I think he probably would score in the top three or four in this year's class. Uh, but uh, we talked about yards after catchability. One of the other things that I've found uh, is not as valued. Actually, I should say two of the other things that have gotten knocked down in my evaluation over the past couple of years is contested catchability and route running. Uh, contested catchability is something that translates well to the NFL, but it's a fine line to decipher when you are a, a good contested catcher and when you just struggle to separate before the catch point so for Bateman a lot of the times those highlight real plays that we love so much it's really just an inability for him to shake that defensive back off earlier and he has Mm. good handwork at the catch point um, but you know putting yourself in that situation you might be able to get away with it playing in the Big Ten and I'm not knocking the Big Ten those are good defensive backs but Feel free to knock the Big Ten. That's fine. <laughs> well, I'm an SEC guy, so uh, yes. Okay, there we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's let's uh, poop all over the Big Ten. <laughs> hey, uh, you know the Big Ten has its place. It's not the Pac-12, so you know you got to give them some credit. But um, <laughs> I also <laughs> what, a low, I, I, what a low bar that is. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Now I'm an SEC guy. I'm an SEC alum, but I I do work for a Big Ten institution, so I guess I really shouldn't knock uh, knock the Big Ten. But uh, we here at FF Chat are Big Ten fans over at Sports <laughs> Illustrated. If you're listening in right now, we are nothing but fans of the Big Ten. <laughs> there so, you yeah. go. Okay, there we we're covered on all on all sides now. But 
legally protected. But, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, too, so contested catchability, uh, if you can't separate before the catch point in the NFL, you're going to struggle. And I've kind of learned my lesson on that over the years, too. Like Kelvin Harmon, I loved Kelvin Harmon. And, you know, I can't quite kick him yet, but Kelvin Harmon went in the sixth round of the NFL draft. He was a great contested catch guy. He was a sharp route runner. Uh, And, you know, some of those things don't translate as well. And the other thing to keep in mind is that if you are a really, really good route runner, then you are a great route runner, and that's going to help you make a quick impact in the NFL. If not, you know, your route running ability is going to really depend on your landing spot. You know, uh, if Rashad Bateman ends up going to Chicago, that's one of the spots that I could see him going to. What are they going to ask him to do? They're going to throw him on the outside. They're going to use uh, Darnell Mooney to stretch the field. They're going to use Anthony Miller underneath. And they're going to ask Rashad Bateman to run one route, you know, for the most part on the outside. He's going to run a comeback route probably half the time. And he's going to run a damn good comeback route because he does run a good comeback route. Uh, But he's not going to need, you know, those other those other uh, uh, routes as much. They'll have him run the fly. And, you know, of course, they'll mix up the tree a little bit. But I, I found that it is just not as important of a trait in terms of consistently translating to the NFL. So when I put Rashad Bateman in my formula, although he has a good tape evaluation from me, uh, the the traits that he scores well at happen to be the traits that weigh, you know, towards the bottom of my evaluation process. So, uh, you know, he's really a, a product of what I've kind of developed over time and what I found successful. So when I flip on his tape, I get excited like everybody else. But when I put it into my formula, it doesn't look as good. And I have to trust that because that's kind of something that I found works over time. Speaking on your formula that you mentioned, and I would never ask you to divulge that recipe. We'll do that later in DMs. But <laughs> um, one of our users, Corporal Casual, shout out Corporal, been here for a few years now. Uh, he said, could you please dive into a little bit about how your process prospect evaluation works um how heavily you might weigh things like positional value class depth athletic profile college production you know the all based dominator rating uh and what is your balance on film versus analytics yeah that's a really good question so uh, where I like to start with this question is, you know, uh, I, re- I referenced it earlier, my, my you know, handle references. I work in the education world and, uh, you know, in education, you know, we kind of pick our specialties, right? We focus on the on the thing to be good at and we kind of try to become experts in that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to try to be an expert in English and chemistry, right, at the same time uh, and try to teach both those subjects. So, for me, the the kind of way that I've approached it is that I've really focused on my film analysis. And I respect uh, the analytics side of things. I have a handful of analytics folks that I trust, and I'll run my guys by them, and we'll kind of, you know, help kind of establish some value in that sense. But for me, the only thing I take into account uh, when evaluating prospects is their film evaluation. I look at the landing spot, and then Uh, You know, you mentioned class characteristics. You know, I think that does come into play as well when it comes to drafting, although I won't necessarily let that affect too much of my big board rankings themselves. But when I'm sitting down with folks and giving, you know, drafting advice, you know, we'll talk about things like, do you want to use your first round? Do you want to use the 107 on a wide receiver? Because there's probably going to be a good wide receiver there at 207. 
but I can promise you, you're going to be taking a swing at the running back position. So, you know, we'll take that into account. But when it comes to giving players uh, a ranking and a number, I have uh, a different formula set out for every position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And this year I actually introduced a new, uh, a new formula into the system, which I call my athletes. So, you know, I kind of found over the past couple of years that I missed on some guys because I, you know, I wasn't sure how they'd play in the NFL. So, you know, like Antonio Gibson, I faded him too long because I thought they were going to put him at wide receiver. He gets drafted as a running back and I have to try to scramble to flip over my evaluation. Um, you know, uh, same thing for a guy like Chase Claypool. I faded him because I thought he was going to be a tight end. I really did. Um, and one of the things, you know, peeling back the curtain to the NFL side of things a little bit, uh, you know, some of these guys that I'll put in my athlete category, like let's talk about Kyle Pitts. That's the biggest name guy. I have him as an athlete right now. Uh, he's probably on 29 NFL teams draft boards as a tight end. But I'm willing to put down some money and bet that some NFL teams have him listed as a wide receiver. And kind of the running line when it comes to the, you know, the draft is it only takes one team, right? So it only takes one team drafting Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver to make him a wide receiver. Uh, you know, the same thing, you know, everyone, uh, Jalen Rager uh, scored with that first round draft capital. And everyone said, ah, he's a first round pick now. But, uh, you know, kind of the the word around the NFL was that the Eagles bid against themselves last year and that they would have gotten him in the second round if they hadn't taken him in the first. So was he really a first round pick? You know, you kind of have to make your own judgment on that. But uh, so I have the five different positions. And for each one of them, I have seven characteristics that I break down, uh, obviously unique to the position. Uh, and each one of those characteristics carries a different weight uh, that I'll balance out of 100. Um, and then what I'll go in and I'll do, um, I'll, I'll do my summer scouting. And so for my summer scouting, I try to watch probably the top like 50, 55 guys that I think have a good shot at declaring, you know, you don't want to watch too many underclassmen because you got to invest some time into watching that tape. Right. Uh, but you know, I was pretty confident watching Trevor Lawrence tape over the summer and I'll watch my summer scouting tape. Uh, I'll watch the games live. Of course, you know, I'm one of those guys that's got college game day on at 9 AM and then I'm watching Hawaii play at 3 AM uh, because, <laughs> because I just can't get enough of it. And so, you know, I'll, I'll have that on uh, all Saturday and then, you know, probably about, uh, probably about October. Then I start flipping on the game tape and I'll start going through the tape of these players for next year. And by the time they get a grade, uh, I'd say probably, you know, the most popular guys, the guys who are most likely to go in your fantasy drafts, they'll have anywhere from three to 10 games worth of evaluation. You know, I'll watch three to 10 games each on them. And then some of the smaller guys, you know, it can be hard to dig up your back film and your sunbelt film. So some of the guys, as we kind of move down the board a little bit, we'll have two to three games a piece, but I like to kind of have at least three games on a player, you know, to feel really strong in their, in their evaluation. So, you know, it, it, it's, a, I don't want to say tedious process cause I enjoy it, but you know uh, it's called the grind for a reason, right? So it's watching a lot of tape and it's kind of getting a feel for these players over the course of, of, you know, it, it's a full year process. It really is. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned pits uh, just a minute ago, um, given the hype around, all these incoming rookie tight ends. Do you think that Jordan or Fairmuth are better values that they're anticipated at ADP currently? Yeah, I think the key word there is value. Uh, and right now, so NFL Draft Bible, we've been running a series of of mock drafts, and in one quarterback leagues, Brevin Jordan has an ADP of 
209 right now. And if if Brevin Jordan, you know, truly holds a 209 ADP, then I think he's going to be the best value in rookie drafts this year. Uh, Brevin Jordan is a really incredible athlete. He's a great route runner. He's very uh, fluid runner. He's got loose hips. He's got really nice hands. I mean, you know, there, there's tape of him hurtling defenders in, over there in the ACC. And if it wasn't for Kyle Pitts, we'd be really excited about Brevin Jordan. And those are the types of situations you need to take advantage of and find value. Now, Brevin Jordan probably has a more traditional tight end route to fantasy football production, right? Which is a slow route. It's the Noah Fant route. It's the TJ Hawkinson route. That's kind of what, you know, the same kind of tier that I'm putting Brevin Jordan in. Kyle Pitts is special. He he wins in different ways. Um, I, I think he's going to be a liability early on in his career if they try to line him in line and ask him to block. Because yeah, I mean, because the two folks that you just mentioned, it's just I mean, I haven't felt great drafting either of those guys the past couple of years. And I mean, if that's the comparison, it's like, you know, the talent is there like we've seen. But like I have a feeling what you're about to say is if they throw him out there immediately. Right. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's the trade off for you as a, as a fantasy football player. Right. Are you willing to go and pay that premium to trade for your tight end? Like, you know, I've been telling everybody, if you got Travis Kelsey on your team, don't even try to trade him. You know, if you got if you got Kittle on your team, don't trade him. Uh, and then you have Andrews and Waller. And then, you know, what are you going to do if you don't have one of those guys on your team? So are you willing to take the shot in your second round and, and, and wait a couple of years and, and hope he pays off? You know, that's kind of your, your process. Uh, or do you got to kind of go out there and try to hit on the next Darren Waller or the next Mark Andrews and hope somebody kind of breaks out. Um, but, you know, for me, getting Brevin Jordan there at that 209, I think that's a worthwhile investment because he has that athletic type mold, you know, more along the lines of the way Noah Fant could get down the field and win. And, you know, Fant's kind of been in a tough spot with injuries and also that offense, but we've seen some really nice flashes. Absolutely, we have. And moving on from the tight ends and just the general incoming rookie class, who would you consider your guy? The guy that you're pounding the table for? Um, and let's say it's somebody that you're higher on than the consensus rankings are showing as of right now. Yeah, there's, a, of course, a few guys. Uh, you know, somebody who's going to go kind of like early second round that I'm really excited about is Terrace Marshall. I think he's kind of getting washed away in the wide receiver class, uh, but he's my wide receiver three. And, you know, a lot of folks would put him down there at like six or seven. And for me, though, like he's 6'3", 200. He's a great field stretcher. He's athletic. He's got some of the best hands in the class uh, and really consistent hand work. And you know, I know we talked about contested catch earlier, but just catching, like you're having consistent handwork and, and having what I call sticky hands, like finding a way to bring in the ball, you know, even in contested, uh, not contested situations, but like high traffic situations or, you know, that's a, that's an underrated skill. It sounds so wild. Uh, sometimes at the wide receiver position, we forget how important it is to catch the ball. It, it sounds ironic, but 
you know, it was a little bit of the Jalen Rager last year, or even some, you know, we're getting excited about Tamori and Terry this year. And uh, you need guys that can catch the ball. <laughs> it, it, it sounds simple, but Terrace Marshall can do it. And this is a uh, kind of a short wide receiver class. If you think about it, like some of these guys here at the top, even Jamar Chase, he's six one. Jalen Waddle, who I love, is five ten. Rondale Moore is, you know, five eight on the best day. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so these guys are short, but but Terrace Marshall is six three and he brings length to the field. So I think he's going to stand out a little bit. Uh, and then one of the other guys that I've, you know, probably gotten, I don't know if too much attention for pounding the table on him, but you know, I might look silly if he doesn't pay off because I've just been hyping up JV on Hawkins from Louisville. Yes, uh, thank you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect segue. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, man. He I mean, he's my running back three right now. And I know that sounds wild, running back three. Uh, but I have them. It, it goes uh Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and JV on Hawkins. And Listen, the draft may come around, and, and if he doesn't hit that day two draft capital, then he's going to fall down the board, right? Draft capital is an important aspect of things. But as of right now, man, when I watch his tape, I don't know what folks don't like about him. He's athletic. He's elusive in space. I mean, his spin move and juke moves are absolutely ridiculous. His change of direction ability, not only you know his ability to get in and out of cuts, but his vision on the field, his ability to see and understand when change of direction is a good idea. And uh, you know, the Louisville offense didn't do him a ton of favors <laughs> this past no. season. So I, I think he did a whole lot with with not much. And that's the kind of thing I'm looking for in a prospect. You know, sometimes we knock like, you know, we'll knock the Alabama guys and say, oh, well, of course they did good. Look at their offense. But we never flip that script, right? We never look at, at players kind of in tough situations that still manage to produce. And Javian Hawkins does that. And, and uh, you know, a weird narrative that I've seen around him is that he's he doesn't have good strength. Uh, he's a little undersized. He's, he's sub 200, but he's strong, man. He's got great contact balance. It's hard to knock him off course. Two, 231 pass block snaps at Louisville. Zero sacks allowed. I mean, that's. I love that. That's. I mean, any team should be, you know, scrambling to grab a guy like that. I mean, even if you have to work a year or two on him, you know, if you think the flaws are there that may or may not exist, even. But like you said, I, th- I think it's criminally underrated how he's being treated right now. But it creates value. I mean, consistently third round of rookie drafts right now is where he's going. And, you know, he's 15th on my big board. So that's uh, 203. And and this is Superflex big board. So, you know, I got him in a good spot. And like I said, you know, if the draft capital tells me that that he's not as high as, as I think he is, then, you know, we have to readjust, of course. We got to listen to what the NFL tells us. But, you know, pre-draft, I feel pretty confident he's going to stay right there. Mm. We can stop talking about him now. I don't want people to get too much on the hype train. Um, <laughs> Keep that ADP our, low. Absolutely, because it never fails that the, the Discord seems to do a little bit of the shifting of the early sleeper ADP, and it's funny to watch it jump around. Um, but um, moving on to rankings and, you know, with JV and Hawkins as your – RB3 on the big board or on the board. Um, and you said 15th right off the big board, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, which player are you having the hardest time ranking as of right now? That's a good question. 
You know, I I think for me, the guy that I'm just I'm not sure what to do with him is Rondale Moore. Um, I want to like Rondale Moore. <laughs> I think a little <laughs> bit more than I than I do like Rondale Moore. Um, you know, I, I, it's like you flip on the tape and you can't help but give him a good evaluation. So, you know, he actually has a higher tape score than probably four or five guys that he's ranked below on the big board. But, you know, he's 5'9", 175. And the thing, you know, everyone says, all right, well, you know, you could always put on weight when you get to the NFL. Uh, if you looked at Rondale Moore, I mean, he's strong. He he is, he's, he's ripped, he's strong, which sounds good, but it means he's maxed out his frame. And so he's going to live in the slot in the NFL. I don't think you can really use him in too many other ways. Uh, and so, or I should say, you can't line him up in other spots on the field. They'll use him in a variety of ways. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to live in that slot, which is going to lower his touchdown potential. So he's going to have to be a guy who lands in a high volume offense and one that's going to kind of have the underneath of the field opened up a lot. And so, although I like Rondell Moore, I mean, he's fast, he's fast, fast, he's athletic, he has good hands. I mean, if you watch him cut his out route, dude, it's like mesmerizing. Like, you know, if you're ever too jacked up before bed, just watch him run some (laughs) out routes and it's like a meditation video. It'll just mesmerize you and, and, you know, put you to sleep, but in a good way. So I, I love his film evaluation, but, you know, the other side of things, you know, kind of hearing having the benefit of having my, you know, ear to the ground on the NFL to a degree is, you know, I I don't think he's got a shot at going day one. I I think he's a day two guy. And I think he might slip further than folks think. Mm. Um, And and that's, that's really, I think just, you know, he's kind of put in a tough spot. Uh, He had a great freshman season, but he suffered with injuries and the big 10 was in and out. And, you know, there was that awkward period where he was, uh, he was opted in, but he wasn't playing and they weren't talking about it. And it turned out to be another lower body injury. And, you know, there's just a, a variety of different circumstances with Rondale Moore. So it's like, I like him. He's my 12 right now. And he's, I think the first guy that I could see kind of getting leapfrogged, right? So if like Tylen Wallace or Rashad Bateman get some really good landing spots, I think he's the guy that's going to get leapfrogged. And, you know, I was talking about this probably back in October and it was like, you know, heresy. And now looking kind of where ADP is, is moving now, he's he's moving towards the second round of draft. So I think we're kind of moving to that point, you know, as a as a consensus. But it's tough because the play he's so fun to watch play. Um this uh not to get away from the incoming rookies because I have one more question about them. Uh, and then we'll move on to the current teams and situations going on around the NFL. Um, but I lost my spot looking ahead to the 2021 class and then the classes beyond. I, let's say take a dynasty team that I have for an example, why I just have a boatload of picks. Am I better off in your eyes investing now or trading those picks and consolidating them for higher, better picks in future draft classes? Or do you think this is the time to make that jump? Like if the rebuild is going to happen, the talent is here this year. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you got to have an honest look at your roster first and foremost and say, you know, do you really have the pieces to win? Uh, you got to take format into account. You know, I play in primarily super flex leagues, and if I don't feel like I can put three good quarterbacks onto my roster, you know, I'm talking top 15, top 18 quarterbacks. If I don't have at least three of those guys, I don't consider myself a legitimate contender. Um, and then you have to look at what you need, right? So if you need running back help and that's what your roster needs, the 2022 class is going to be the class for you. You know, unless you got one of the top picks in this year's class, especially if you're playing in a, in a you know, non-super flex league, unless you got one of those top three or four picks, you know, you're, you're not going to get a, a home run pick. I don't think at the running back position, but some of the guys that could be declaring in 2022, we could have a, a, a really nice, a really fun running back class. Not, not quite to 20, but I think we could end up having a class that kind of pushes 2020 in terms of talent. So, you know, if you're looking for running back help on your roster, I think you wait. If you need wide receivers, this is the year to cash in and, you could cash in with third round picks. Uh, there's going to be guys going in the third round, like Dwayne Eskridge, who I really like, like Nico Collins, who I think has, you know, a ton of upside. Um, you know, even Austin Watkins, Amari Rogers. These are some of the guys I really like. They're going to be around in, in the third, even fourth rounds. But, uh, you know, my suggestion is if, if you're stocked up on picks, there's always going to be folks looking to trade back on draft day, not ahead of draft day. Everybody wants all the picks on draft day. Then they get there. And they look at their roster and they're like, oh, shoot, I don't actually have spots for all these guys. And they try to trade back. So, uh, you know, consolidate your picks in that way. I'm not a huge advocate in general in, in dynasty formats of trading for future picks. And, and that's just my strategy. I, maybe I'm, I'm an overcompetitive person. Maybe I'm an impatient person, but I want to win now. <laughs> you know, I want to win my money. <laughs> I want to win my championships this season. And so... You know, I tend to put my chips in on the table, but the other side of that is I kind of have the luxury of being able to do that because what do I do the rest of the year? I look at rookies. And so, you know, I'm confident that if I trade away my first round picks, I can I can hit on second and third round guys at a higher rate than probably my league mates. Mm. Mm. That's a lot of information I need. I just uh, got a lot <laughs> of thinking to do after this podcast and looking at my rosters. It's a real self-evaluation, you know, uh, dig deep and, and, and figure out, you know, how, how legit your, your title run is. I like to lie to myself and, and think I have a better shot most of the time. Oh, I mean, I've got some absolute dumpster fire, so there, there's no need for me to try to fool myself here. Um, but we don't need to talk about how awful I am at fantasy football. <laughs> um, and it, there's two different things that you touched on there that we're both asked about in chat. and. We'll just hit them one after another. One was the 2020 running back draft class. Incredible. Action-packed. Full, <laughs> full of energy. Who do you think is going to be the premier year two running back going into, the, going into this next season? I mean, I think it's going to be the year of DeAndre Swift. Uh, Please. I, I, love, I, I know, man. I mean... DeAndre Swift is one of my best running back evals since I've been doing this. And he was an absolutely incredible player at Georgia. And we saw a little bit of a, a stumble out of the gate, but some of the flashes that we saw in a absolutely, you know, inefficient Detroit offense was really encouraging. And so 
I'm hoping that we kind of pick up on some of this momentum with the coaching change. It sounds like the early coach speak, and it's just coach speak. You should never really get too invested in that. But the early coach speak is they want to really give him the bulk of the workload. They want him to be the guy. And, you know, I think they're going to have to have him be the guy. You know, there's a good chance they don't tag Kenny Galladay. Is Jared Goff, well, I'm not going to phrase that in the form of a question. Actually, Jared Goff is not a guy who can succeed without a good running game, right? He kind of <laughs> needs that uh, it, it, to help set him up. And, and so I think Detroit really is going to put a lot of emphasis on DeAndre Swift this year. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to get excited about J.K. Dobbins because uh, he's going to have a higher workload with Mark Ingram out of town. But uh, one you know thing that I like to point out to folks, I'm from the Baltimore area, so I kind of follow the beat a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more intentionally. And they're gonna they're gonna bring in another running back, whether it's through free. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm assuming free agency, um, potentially through the draft, but. Uh, that offense, that scheme that Roman runs, uh, it demands 500 touches a season. You could track that all the way back to, you know, San Francisco when he was calling plays with Cap at the helm. Um, when he was most successful, and Greg Roman is most successful, they run the ball 500 times. And so, you know, that and, and Mark Ingram, even last year, but the year before, he was somewhere in that 150 to 200 ballpark. So, you know, uh, J.K. Dobbins may get an extra 50 to 75 of those touches, but somebody else is coming in and they're going to get that workload as well. So they're going to have four guys. I feel very comfortable saying that, but I think J.K. Dobbins is still going to be really good, but I'm just, you know, kind of trying to pump the brakes a little bit. Hmm. There for a second, I thought I heard Duke Johnson Jr.'s music being played. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) There you go. We already got just They need uh, thing about they're probably gonna end up free agency and his ears perked up somewhere in the world. Um, you know, somebody that they could get kind of cheap and just run into the ground. I mean, you know, if like Seattle, if Seattle goes cheap on Chris Carson and, and he wants to hit the, the market and then he goes cheaper, even a guy like you know, if Pittsburgh doesn't pay James Connor, I could see them going down that. They just need somebody to kind of hit the hole, you know, 150 times a season and. It doesn't even have to be good. Like Gus Edwards just started being good this year. For the past couple seasons, he's just run into the back of his offensive lineman like a hundred times, and he's fallen into the end zone a few times, and then all of a sudden it worked this year. It's uh pretty incredible, pretty incredible. What do you think uh, Seattle's doing with Chris Carson? Do you think they want him back? Man, it, Seattle's like one of those three front offices where. It's like I could I could try to take a guess, but I'll just be wrong. <laughs> like whenever whenever I do a mock draft for Seattle, it's like you might as well just pull a name out of a bucket uh, because you know you you never know what they're gonna do. I, I'd like to think that they're gonna keep him, but I think Chris Carson wants uh, top back money, and with his injury history, I don't think they're gonna pay him top back money. So you know I I think it could be a situation where he hits the market and sees what his value really is, which is you know, I think always less than running backs feel like they're worth. And, you know, I'm a big running backs to get paid more guy, but we see how teams get in trouble with that. And, and, you know, Seattle, quite frankly, I don't think can afford that. They need to put their money on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Russ better be ca- careful what he says out loud, because apparently those words get twisted every which direction. 
<laughs> that's a that narrative is driving me wild. I'm like, uh, this better not. I you know I have Russell Wilson, uh, you know, playing in primarily super flex leagues. I got him almost everywhere. So I, every time I see that on the timeline, I just close out Twitter because I'm like, this just makes me way too nervous. <laughs> um, and another topic going back to the previous conversation. Um, you said that you're always trying to win. Uh, you know, you you play to win, and in the dynasty game. Um, I guess this answers the question, but one of my fellow moderators asked, do you prefer to constantly try to stay in championship contention or do you maximize a championship window and then go into a distinct rebuild year or two? Why or why not? Yeah, for me, you know, I'm going to try to keep my roster uh, alive and kind of at peak contending as much as I can. But one of the things that, you know, one of the, it's a tricky thing to do, right? Because what you have to do is, first off, you have to get the roster to that point. So maybe that means you demolished your startup draft. Maybe that means you made some good trades and you kind of just have a good roster. You know, I always try to look at the players that are performing very well and at a high level, and I'll figure out a way to flip them for youth in, in, it's not even guys that I necessarily think are going to fall off a cliff. Right. So like last year, flipping Michael Thomas, that made a lot of sense. Um, you know, a guy like Devonte Adams right now, uh, he's an absolute game winner. You know, he's a stud. He's going to help out any roster, but if you could find a way to trade him in your league for Terry McLaurin, uh, plus a running back, plus a pick, you know, that's how you keep your championship team really strong. You take advantage of the fact that you can afford to give up a premier wide receiver and you have to find the next premier wide receiver. So you kind of have to you kind of have to gamble at the same time is really what I is kind of my my thought process. And you have to uh, understand that some players you invest in, you get cheaper because folks are scared to take older players. So you got to hold them like Julio Jones. I got Julio Jones on a ton of rosters. And he's somebody who everybody thinks is too old and dusty. And he had some injuries last year, but when he was on the field, he was incredible. And I need to hold Julio Jones as tempting as it is to try to put him on the market. Because if I'm going to sell him right now, uh, you know, you're lucky if you're getting a second round pick back for him. And it's just a travesty because he can easily be a, a wide receiver one, you know, weekly in, in 2021. So I, I think, you know, to, to stay in a consistent point of winning, you have to do two things. You got to be willing to part with your studs and, and get, you know, a haul back, obviously. Uh, but you got to be willing to part with them and, and invest in some young guys while you're still competing. And then you got to understand the guys who you don't sell low on. You just accept that when you, when you take Julio Jones, that you're going to ride him to the end of his career for better or for worse. And, <laughs> and you made your investment in, in, you know, whether he takes you to the ship or whether you go sinking on the ship, you know, that he's going to get you there. Um, you've mentioned you've got stonks of different players, as the youngsters are saying these days. <laughs> um, how many teams do you run slash leagues do you personally commish? Um, because it's uh, we, we've had a number of experts on here, and every time I'm expecting them to be like, I'm too busy. I, I do one league and then I spend a lot of time. And then half of them are like, I run about, I'm in about 40 leagues. I run to <laughs> myself. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious what your number is closer to. Yeah. So this past year it was about 20. Um, and 
you know, y'all are crazy. Y'all are it, crazy. Uh, it's a lot of leagues. Um, you know, I the, uh, don't get me wrong. The content creation side of things is time consuming, <laughs> right? It is. It is, you know, uh, watching a lot of tape, making videos, you know, podcasting and, you know, trying to come up with new projects. It's time consuming. But at the end of the day, I love this game. That's why I do this. You know what I mean? Um, that That's why it's fun for me. And if I wasn't engaged in it and playing in those leagues and making trades, you know, I could talk hypothetical trades all day. But until I actually get in there with some of my league mates and, and try to make trades and they tell me I'm ridiculous, uh, I don't know a player value, then that's player value, right? So I need to be in the game and kind of understanding it. But I will say that this year, you know, I'm calling it for me the the year of best ball. I've always kind of played like redraft best ball, but you're going to have a hard time getting me in a new league this year in a startup on, in a dynasty or Devi format, unless one, it's one of my own leagues that I run because I like to come up with some wild leagues to run. Uh, but like if I'm joining a league, it's got to be a, a Devi or a Dynasty best ball for the most part, because, um, you know, fall fall is my like crazy season in my in my real life job, I call it. And, uh, you know, I, I not having that stress of, of trying to set 30 rosters and trying to figure out, you know, did I forget one player and. You know, on Sunday, um, if, you know, Julio Jones is ruled out this week, you know, oh, which ones are the lineups with Julio Jones in them? And which ones did I sit them in and which ones? And, you know, it, it, you get to a kind of a cutoff point of stress. So, you know, this year it's going to be stacking those best balls on top of things. And that's going to be a, a really fun challenge in its own way. But, you know, probably about 20 leagues last year. That's not too shabby. I was in uh, 15 personally and uh, I told myself – uh moving strictly to dynasty and including dynasty best ball i'm absolutely for that i'm actually in a league with uh some of our fellow server members uh we're in a dynasty best ball league and that was a pleasure to be in this year even though my team was hot garbage sauce (laughs) but um yeah i definitely don't mind not having to, like you said, stress about, okay, which lineup is so-and-so in? And, you know, uh, what, what about this matchup? I think I might've forgotten about this, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It, it gets to be a lot to say the least. Um, yeah. Keep it fun. So working for sports illustrated, Got to be a little bit different, I would think, in terms of, I mean, I, I'm just a giant Sports Illustrated fan. One of my favorite books uh have uh, is their 50th anniversary and goes to like some of their best stories. And, you know, they always seem to have really top tier talent. And so uh, I want to get a quality answer here. But what do you think aspiring fantasy football writers or creators or just sports writers or creators spend too much time doing? And instead, where should they be spending that time? That's a good question. I thought you were going to ask that the other way around, but I, I actually like the the way that you asked the question. I think for me, you know, um, I started – putting out, you know, content about five or six years ago, uh, in different formats. And, you know, I, I've, I've definitely had a journey to get to this point. And, you know, it started out with a, with a homegrown 
blog, me and my one of my buddies from college that that wrote on the the school newspaper together. Uh, you know, in the sports section, we kind of just started a blog. We had no idea what the heck uh, fantasy football Twitter was or, you know, anything like that. And we kind of stumbled upon a a lot of stuff along the way. But, you know, I I think for me, what I found is what can really hurt folks is spending too much time um, trying to do it all. You know, I, I think that there's yeah, you try to prove yourself, right? You try to get out there and, and you want to know everybody and you want to have an answer for everybody that slides into your DMs or asks you for advice because you want to help. Um, or, you know, somebody offers you an opportunity to to write for a site and they're like, hey, I need you to write this. Uh, and you have no idea what that is. And you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I'll learn it. And, uh, you know, for me, where I, I think I found the most enjoyment out of the content creation process, which is the most important thing. I, I've kind of mentioned that you know, it's a grind, uh, but it's a good grind because you should find enjoyment out of it. And for me, when I found the most enjoyment was really kind of honing in on how do I, you know, how do I find this, this uh, in between, I'm a huge college football fan. So I mentioned, I went to a large SEC school uh, and, you know, Saturdays, like Saturdays on Rocky Top, man, there's like nothing better for me. Uh, And I love college football. Uh, but nobody was writing about college football, right? But I'm watching all these guys and I'm watching all these prospects and watching this tape and, you know, kind of for me, finding that niche of of evaluating rookies was what started to separate me because before that I was writing dynasty coverage um, and I enjoyed it, but, you know, there's a lot of dynasty content out there and there's a lot of folks doing it um, and you kind of just get swallowed up, um, you know, just naturally with, with the amount of volume. And so, for me, finding something that was unique, really digging in on on the rookies, uh, the Devi side of things, that's that's what helped me. I I think you know, kind of find a little bit more separation in the game, and that's what led me to to dra- NFL Draft Bible, um, who is you know, it's NFL Draft Bible uh, on Fan Nation as part of Sports Illustrated, and you know, if I hadn't kind of stepped back, reevaluated what I wanted uh, to really focus on and what I enjoyed on. I would have never met the folks that led to Draft Bible, that led to Sports Illustrated and being on this Fan Nation Sports Illustrated platform. So uh, it's a process. And I'd say the other thing that could get you in trouble is you have to be patient. You know, it, it takes time. You got to build relationships. You got to just like, don't be afraid to just chop it up in people's DMs. Uh, you know, one of the best things I think I ever did is uh, about three years ago. I got a few guys together that just uh, I enjoyed their their tape takes on Twitter. I had no interaction with them, uh, but I enjoyed their tape takes. I thought they were good, you know, and I put a, put us all in a group chat and I said, hey, guys, like, feel free to leave. <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> this group chat that I just put everybody in. But like, I respect uh, all your your thoughts on the game. We talk, you know, uh, in comments all the time. And, uh, you know, some of those guys right now are you know, uh, doing fantasy pros and, and dynasty nerds and, uh, DLF. And those are all sites that I think are fantastic. You know, obviously I think draft Bible is great, but I love fantasy pros. I love dynasty nerds and, you know, DLF, those are all fantastic sites. And, you know, I wouldn't have met some of these guys that, that are really helping, you know, create this content. If I hadn't just take gone out on a limb and just kind of said, guys, I, I respect your opinion. Like let's chop it up. And so, Shout out, shout out all those groups that you just mentioned. Rami Gal and the DLF crew are holding it down over there. They put out tremendous content 
and dynasty nerds obviously they're integrated um I love that they did the Terrace Marshall piece before you lauded Terrace Marshall here in the podcast tonight. Um, so that worked out well. Um, They're but, great. Man. They're great. Yeah. I know that was a long-winded answer, by the way, but uh, but yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, I wouldn't. I, I would have stopped you if I didn't want that answer. <laughs> and on to the next one. Uh, okay, uh, but uh, we're getting here into the final minutes and. Being a Friday evening, I don't want to keep you too late. So I definitely want to knock out um, a few of these other important ones here. Um, Nick I'm, coming, Chung, man. I'm, I'm good if you're good. Okay. 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 Let me uh, take a deep breath here. <laughs> As we settle into this next three-hour segment <laughs> of Fantasy Football Chat, ask me anything. Um, <laughs> this has been Ken Burns, Fantasy Football. Uh do you think Nick Chubb's still a uh, running back one splitting snaps with Kareem Hunt? Because last year I took them both and I played him as my RB1 and 2 and it wasn't so awful. Yeah, let's see where I got Nick Chubb right now. I'm pulling up my rankings. He's my running back six. I love Nick Chubb. <laughs> I, uh, I think he's a special player, man. Um, I've gotten to see him live. Uh, I watched him. It was... It would have been not this past season, so 2019. I was at uh, M&T Bank when uh, Cleveland came to town and the Ravens were having a fantastic season. And I just watched Nick Chubb absolutely shred us. I think he put up 200 plus that game. And I, it was like I was pissed, but I couldn't even be mad. Because, <laughs> I mean, in terms of pure runners, uh, top two in the league, three, you can make the argument that he's one of the best pure runners in the NFL. and. Uh, you know, I, I seem to give a long-winded answer for everything, but I, I have kind of like a special affinity for Nick Chubb. I was, I was uh, at the game in Knoxville uh, when Nick Chubb suffered the the lower leg injury, the lower body injury that he did, uh, and it was like, uh, you know, a, a, it was a silencing injury in the state. It was gruesome, and you know, we were kind of seeing it, and uh, so you know, to, to watch him kind of have his season ended in that way and then uh, get to the league. And then a few years later into his career, I'm watching him absolutely shred up the field. It's, you know, it, it's really fantastic. If he wasn't wearing a Browns jersey, I, I'd probably have to get one. But, uh, you know, I, I love him in fantasy football. I think his value holds. And I think what holds even better is that nobody appreciates him <laughs> because they're they're kind of scared of Cleveland and they're scared of Kareem Hunt. And, you could probably get him in the second round of your startups, and and I'm going to do that all the time. Um, speaking of other running back situations, um, by the way, firm Nick Chubb believer here as well. Chubb Chubb season. Chubb season. I love it. Um, running back situations: fishy in Chicago, Seattle, Atlanta. Do you think any of these teams go with a RBBC, which I'm assuming everybody will at this point in the world? Um, any bell cow backs you think uh, the coaches might favor more, or are we seeing any big shifts in the backfields? Seems a pretty vague, open-ended question there. So let's just uh, talk more about these first three teams, Chicago, Seattle, and Atlanta. Yeah, so Chicago, I think they're I think they're kind of just naturally invested in David Montgomery, but 
Uh, you know, I like to kind of, I'm an advocate of not investing highly in running backs and startup drafts. And so a guy that I have on a lot of my rosters in is Tariq Cohen. And obviously, you know, he got injured this year, but before he did that, like Tariq Cohen, it, it like really contributes to that offense and he, he produces fantasy points. So, you know, I think we're going to forget about him, but don't forget that Tariq Cohen is coming back for Chicago. He'll be healthy. So it, it will be the David Montgomery show, but Tariq Cohen will be there as well. So I, I don't want to lose sight on him. Atlanta, man, I, I don't know what the heck the Falcons are going to do. <laughs> I, I don't like, think the Falcons know what they're going to do either. I mean, because they can't roll with Gurley again, right? Um, and it's like they want Brian Hill to be a thing, but like Brian Hill's not a thing. And do they really want to invest? You know, I mean, for them to get like, uh, you know, maybe they go after like a Kenny Gainwell and hope that he could carry a larger load. I think people would get hype. I think the Gainwell truthers would, would gain some momentum, like maybe like a Jamar Jefferson. I, I think they have to go through the draft, right? Like they, I don't think that they're going to want to put their money into their running back situation, especially because they have a lot of holes on defense that need to be filled too. And, and they have a new coaching staff. So they'll probably go running back by committee just by default and hope, you know, somebody wins the job. And then, you know, uh, when it comes to Seattle, we're the third team, right? We were doing Seattle. Um, yep. Oh, we've already so, kind of covered that as well if we wanted to skip over that one. But I do yeah, want your thoughts on Penny, though, however. That's what I was going to say. You know, Penny is somebody who, you know, when I remember, uh, I think he went 28th overall at a San Diego State. And, you know, I, I nearly spit out my coffee uh, when I saw that. <laughs> or, it was draft night, so it probably wasn't coffee, but... You know, I, I nearly lost my drink when when I saw that because I was like, man, this guy's going to be uh, he's never going to live up to this 28th overall pick. And, and I honestly hate it for players when they get overdrafted in the NFL, because then our expectations change and we get salty about them. And uh, but I think Penny this year, like his value is so dang low. And, and I have never been interested in Rashad Penny that I've started trading for him like you could probably get him for a third round pick right now. and. I like my third round picks, but uh, Rashad Penny in very limited volumes in very limited volumes has actually looked pretty good for Seattle. And like we talked about, I don't think that they want to pay Chris Carson. So are they going to hand over the keys to the car to DJ Dallas? Uh, not entirely. No. Right. So Penny's got a shot. Like he really does have a shot. And so I'll, I'll buy, I'm getting them cheap wherever I can get them right now. Um. I wish I could get on the penny hype train, but like everybody, the Paris everybody has their uh, value. That's what I say. <laughs> okay. That, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. If it might not be worth much, but he does have value. Agreed. We can settle there. Um, it's fair. Um, looking at the Washington football team. Great name. Uh, you know, I actually kind of like the name. I know this isn't yeah, the question, but it, it, I, seem, I the it seems to be that it's growing on folks. And I just keep the name. I think it's fun. I think they somebody said, uh, believe in chat, that they have to have it for this year and next. And then after that, they're allowed to change merchandising. Correct me oh, if I'm wrong. But uh, they, they're locked into it. I know for at least one more year i'm pretty confident maybe it was a two-year deal they're just 
they can't change it this year. Maybe that's the deal. Uh, but, I mean, there's worse. We've seen them, a.k.a. the previous one. But, exactly. um, uh, yeah, uh, looking at their QB situation, especially with that news um, that sort of leaked about Kaepernick and uh, – or not Kaepernick, but uh, Alex Smith. My apologies there to anyone listening. Um, hate to confuse those two. Um, comeback player of the year deserves that respect. Um, do you think they draft a QB, roll with Heineke, Alex Smith? Maybe they just, I don't know, don't play quarterback at all because it's Washington. They just do whatever. Any, uh, what's the NFL scene, uh, looking like? on your end of things in that regard. They're in a tough spot, man. Uh, I think they're in a really tough spot when it comes to their quarterback situation because they're drafting 19. I believe it's 19. uh, And they're not going to get one of the big four. And for me, you're not going to get, you know, uh, Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, or Lance. And unless they, they package up and trade up, which I think would be a tempting option if I was Washington right now. I I don't think, you know, Mac Jones is going to be something that we should get excited about, but you know, Ron Rivera, he's a little bit more old school. The, the organization, the scouts, the, the front office that he's built is kind of guys who have been around a while. They're experienced. Um, and they may be more interested in a quarterback like Mac Jones. And, you know, I think, there's there's a lot of rumors he's going to the top 10 and maybe he does but i also think there's a good shot he's there at 19 so you know they're kind of pigeonholed if they want to go through the draft and mac jones unless they package up but uh you know ron rivera he likes kyle allen he he brought him to washington uh in taylor heineke you know he showed a little bit of a flash but in they gave him the money that's generous, that's generous. <laughs> but they gave him the money and uh but here's the bottom line you know, at the end of the day, when you're a coach in the NFL, you're you're married to your quarterback. Your success, your job, all right, it, it's married to that quarterback position. And I think Ron Rivera understands that. He was with Cam for, you know, his entire Carolina career, and that worked out really, really good for him uh, until it didn't. And then it was time for for both of them to move on. And so I think he understands that if he doesn't figure out this quarterback situation quick, especially when he, you know, Dwayne Haskins kind of shut the door on himself, but Ron also shut the door on Dwayne Haskins, right? So I think he understands he's got to find his guy. And I expect him to be aggressive in these trade talks with these quarterbacks that might want to move around or, you know, try to be aggressive in free agency. But it's a tough spot right now with quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't think there's an easy answer. Was Rivera at Carolina whenever they drafted Heineke? I believe. Uh, oh, when they drafted Heineke? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, so Carolina, I don't believe, drafted Heineke. Okay. I could be wrong. I think the Vikings drafted Heineke. I could be totally wrong on this. I'm like trying to look it up as I go here. I believe the Vikings drafted him, and then they cut him. But I could be wrong. Houston, he was originally in Houston. 
Okay. And then he so... went to Carolina, and then he went to Washington. But it would have been Rivera that signed him there in 2018. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, uh, after seeing, high, I mean, it's just hard to evaluate, uh, evaluate Taylor's value, I guess, given the situations he's been put in. So I can't really, you know, give him too much flack, but he certainly uh, didn't do me any favors. I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to play him, luckily, in any leagues, but he wasn't of much use on my bench either. Um, but moving on to another team, let's go towards the Cardinals in Arizona. If they let Drake walk, who takes over? You think they're sign a dra- signing or drafting a guy? Rolling with Eno and Chase Edmonds? Are you thinking favoring one over the other? Lots of, uh, I guess, what are the beat writers saying, NFL scene saying? You know, uh, Arizona is an interesting spot because I think they are, you know, they're they're a spot that can just get away with not paying the running back as much. And one, because I think they need to pay some other spots. You know, we saw them kind of get a taste of success. But, you know, Chase Edmonds, he, he had good college tape coming out of Fordham. And he's had some nice flashes in the NFL that I've liked. So I think that they could get away with Chase Edmonds. And Eno Benjamin, because Eno Benjamin has had some flashes as well. He's not somebody I really want to give like 200 carries, but you know, if you give 150 carries to Chase Edmonds, 150 to Eno Benjamin, and you either draft somebody else or you sign somebody on the real low and you kind of just work this rotation, I think that's probably going to be their plan just because I think they, I think their money is better spent elsewhere. And Arizona is in a tough spot in they have one of the most competitive divisions in the NFL. So for them to make the playoffs, they really have to be stocked up and they have to improve that defense to keep up with some of the offensive powerhouses in that division. You know, especially now, you know, you think about not only you're dealing with Russ, but now you got Matthew Stafford's arm you're trying to keep up with. Um, And, you know, so, so there's a, there's a lot to kind of balance in that division. So I don't think that they can afford to, to pay up at the running back position. Hmm. Speaking of Stafford, what are the Rams missing from being playoff contenders? If if that's what the move is, okay, let's sign Stafford. I'm a I used to be the biggest Stafford hater after he netted me negative four points back in 2018. <laughs> but you know, we saw that flash early 2019 pre-injury. Um, and then, or can forgive me if I'm getting my years wrong, but um yeah he just had that breakout year and then the injuries took him out um so the rams bring him on expecting i guess that let's make our contention run right now what are they missing or are they missing anything in your eyes from stepping in and being you know legitimate contenders and not just you know hoping to luck in on the final week playoff you know, certain situations have to fl- play out certain situations, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's it's got to be considered a playoff team. You know, it, it's a strong roster. Cam Akers really came on there at the end of last year. And you do have the depth at the running back position there with Henderson and, and even Malcolm Brown. And obviously you have the wide receivers are stacked up there. And so 
A defensive line is good. They've invested some money in veterans in the defensive backfield. Um, so really their weak spots are offensive line and middle line, you know, the, the kind of linebacking core. Um, and the biggest concern being offensive line, you know, for me, from a, from an NFL roster building standpoint, uh, you build your offensive line and then you, you got your quarterback and then you got your, your corner and your edge. Right. So those are kind of like my, my four big positions, tackle edge, uh, corner and quarterback. And, they they pretty much have have that on lockdown. They just got to work on those offensive tackle spots and in, in the line, you know, to kind of follow. So, uh, you know, I think if they're aggressive, they they kind of lock themselves up a lot in these trades for for larger contracts. So I I don't think they have much cap space, but uh, I I would think they're probably going to be aggressively looking at adding in some tackle talent or you know kind of helping secure the the inside of that offensive line too. But you know. Off the bat, I think you got to consider them a playoff team. I love to hear it because, um, like I said, many uh, I'm a fan of Stafford, and it shows on my team roster builds. So um, he deserves it, man. I just, I just want him. I like just for him, like as a person. I'm like, <laughs> you know, he was so loyal in Detroit, and they got. I think you know they had a few seasons where they got close and they could taste it but man he deserves a real run he he does this should be the year could be the year let's make it the year stafford if you're listening to this right now we believe in you my man make this it is your year this is your year <laughs> um looking at less football potentially but um more just about yourself. What's your favorite part of running your own uh, podcast? That's plural. Um, and what are some of uh, what's uh, what's some other podcasts that you follow yourself? Whether it be football related or you know um, anything really. That's a good question. So I think my favorite part of you know uh, podcast or video or whatever i'm doing like i just it's my creative outlet um you know i love writing i, I do uh but i also just I, I love kind of coming up with with concepts and looking at things in different ways right so like the rookie big board you know i wanted to create a podcast that was just about rookies but i i wanted it to be unique in its own way and so like every episode is about ranking, you know, building a big board, that episode and looking at players in different ways. Right. And, you know, not just going through and, you know, I love my player profiles. We do them on the draft seminar. So I'm not knocking, you know, all, you know, the, the episodes that come out and it's like, you know, let's talk about Devonta Smith. Let's talk about Jalen Waddle. Those are, those are valuable, but you know, like the last episode was, you know, looking at the value of, of an inside wide receiver in the NFL and, and how you project that out to fantasy football purposes. And, Let's take a look at the 10 most, uh, you know, valuable guys in this year's class. So I think it's just like I get to be creative. I get to look at things in, in its own way. And you get to like in that way kind of carve out your own space. Uh, but, you know, in, in terms of, of podcasts that I listen to, I think, you know, I have my what I call like daily podcasts. So, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of 247 Sports and I, I have their I'm, I'm like scrolling through my podcast queue now. So I have. Their football recruiting podcast. So I'm, I'm tracking these guys uh, since they're in high school. College football daily is a really good one for folks that are that are into that. Uh, you know, into college football in, in really honing in on that. I mentioned it earlier, but you know, of course, you know, you got 
uh, dynasty nerds and, and fantasy pros. Like, you know, I got a lot of respect for the guys uh, doing those podcasts and, uh, you know, guys getting into the draft prospects to pros with, with Dane Brugler and Lance Zerloin. That's a fantastic one. I love what the athletic puts out. But you know what? I you know I listen to more podcasts than outside football, and I know you mentioned that. Um, you know, comedy podcasts. I, I love it uh, for folks who you know. I know the fantasy footballers are, are big in this space, but I, I love their spitballers podcast, especially. Uh, it's a fun. You know, it's just like a a day uplifter for me. Um, so I really enjoy that. Uh, kind of an underrated one uh, that I like to listen to. It's called The Moth. And it's uh, literally just a storytelling podcast. And, you know, one of the the best skills I think we can learn just as people is the art of storytelling. And so that's just like a really fun podcast for me, Uh, you know, just when I'm trying to unplug from sports. And there's just a little a lot of like rawness, a lot of real lifeness to that podcast. So I enjoy that as well. And, you know, I'm I'm scrolling here and I got, you know, my podcast feed is is overloaded, so I won't ramble too much, but you know, those are, those are some of the ones that I really like. I, uh, I've I've found myself listening to more podcasts and music these days and I'm not sure how I feel about it uh, personally, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it seems to be the growing trend. Uh, one of our, uh, one of the dynasty nerds, themselves ask where will Russ play next season and why will it be his bears? Russ Wilson. Yes, sir. (laughs) Come on, man. Don't. I just said how much Russell Wilson I have. Don't put him on the bears. What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. I think he stays in Seattle. Hey, I mean, Listen, you know what? I, I think you know you understand the, the space, and traditionally in football, it, it's kind of been a space where players don't have much control over where they are. And I think we're starting to see that landscape shift a little bit. Um, you know, like in the NBA, players have a little bit more uh, control, and I think that's great. You know, th- these are people, right? And they're elite athletes, and if they're not being put in situations where their talent is, is, is being utilized properly. You know, I think they, they should have a voice and be able to kind of push back on organizations. So like Deshaun Watson, I love what he's doing, but I think, you know, Russ is kind of looking around the league and he's kind of seeing, right. Um, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson, man, he, like he's advocating for himself and, you know, these other quarterbacks are, are getting moved around. Right. And, and they're kind of, they're getting better opportunities. And so I don't think so much he wants out of Seattle, but I mean, Seattle has just uh, notoriously ignored the, the, like the offensive line position. Like every single year I, I spend six months mock drafting like any offensive lineman I want because any of them would be an improvement. And then they go into the draft and, and draft guys like Xavion Collins in the first round. And you're like, what in the, like, what, what are we doing? So I get why he's pissed, um, but I, I think he, he, you know, he's he's talking about this right before free agency, right? So I think he's pissed and he wants to get some help and some protection. Uh, a quarterback's best friend is that offensive line. It's going to extend his career. So I, I think he's just trying to help himself out. I don't think he's going to be out of Seattle anytime soon. Let's hope not, especially to the Bears. Prayers go out don't to any do that Bears to players. 
Don't do that to me. Darnell Mooney. <laughs> I really hope Alan Robinson gets out of there. I what think he will. Town. Can they tag him? They can't tag him, right? I don't think so, no. Okay. That's At least there haven't, been, there haven't been talks <laughs> about it. I think it would yeah. be pricey. It probably, it'd be, yeah. Uh, wide receiver tag is pretty high. Okay. Tuba's getting into his non disagree, so we'll move past that. Um, let's see. As we wind down here, what do you and the draft Bible offer that stands out from all the competition in terms of draft content? <laughs> That's a good question. Hit it well, hard. You know what? I'll start by not talking about myself, and then I'll talk about myself. Um, you know, the, the NFL draft, <laughs> well, and the reason is, is because there's a lot more talented folks than myself at the NFL draft Bible. And so, uh, you know, we had, so for those who've kind of, you know, may, may know the background a little bit, uh, NFL draft Bible on its own has operated as an entity since I believe 2003, 2002, 2003. And so uh, that's run by uh, Rick Saratella. And Rick is somebody who has a ton, a ton of experience in the industry. And, you know, it, it's more than just, um, you know, it's more than just like the writing and, and the website and, and the podcasting. He's very well connected in the league. He he works with scouts. Um, our, a lot of our team are former scouts in the NFL or, or former front office folks that are kind of on the traditional NFL draft Bible side. So we have real life knowledge. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to decipher what's draft Twitter and what's real NFL. And then we get surprised when some of these discrepancies happen. And so we have real NFL folks, you know, experienced uh, player operations. Uh, NFL Draft Bible runs, you know, prospect camps and, and, and does a lot, a lot of different uh, ventures. And, you know, Draft Bible, when we moved on this Fan Nation Sports Illustrated platform, uh, it was a combination of, of us in, in the Dynasty Draft Room, which was the site that, you know, uh, had kind of evolved from that original site that I referenced before and uh, with Zach Patra as well, helping kind of grow that. And when we did that, we uh, really pulled in some of the best kind of, some of the best grinders out there, you know, in in the Twitter atmosphere. And uh, the the content that these guys are putting out, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of scouting reports. Like there's not a guy that's going to go drafted that the NFL draft Bible team has not looked at in depth this year. And they're already on to 2022. Like these guys are already grinding. We put out some tremendous publications and, you know, it's, a, it's a team of over 40, 50 individuals at the end of the day. And so, you know, I, half the time, man, I'm just lucky in my, um, on, on the fantasy side, man, the, the Devian dynasty teams, the guys that, that I get to, you know, work with and, and help them create content, you know, as the director of fantasy football, man, I, I'm just lucky to work with them, but you know, it, it kind of carrying it over into that same vein, you know, thinking about what I kind of offer uniquely and, and what I like to tell folks is, you know, uh, I have the, you know, I put time into this. It, it takes a lot of time to come up with my analysis and it's the grind. Like players that are going up on the big board, man, and, and getting these profiles, they have a lot of tape going into them. And my, my rankings aren't arbitrary. Uh, they're not based on the opinions of other people. Um, you know, except for a small group of folks that I bounce ideas around with. And uh, I think that's hard to get. Sometimes we get caught in echo chambers, um, you know, and so I try to provide that. Uh, and I also try to to provide it in a way where 
I can grow the game. I want to bring more folks in there. Uh, you know, I want to grow the game of Devi fantasy football, especially. It's the next big thing for me. Uh, I think for everybody. And you know, when I launched the Patreon back in July, one of my big things was I wanted it to be accessible. You know, I, I, I want to honestly offset some of the costs of the technology and the time that I put into it. But like the main tier everybody signs up with is three bucks, uh, three bucks a month. And that's where you get all my rankings and all my player profiles. And, you know, there might be a better value out there, but I haven't seen it. And, but it, it's, it's not about for me, like making a ton of money. It, it's really about growing a community. Like we have a Slack channel and there's guys chopping it up and talking football all the time in there. And, uh, you know, so I kind of, I, I can bring two things to the game. I bring my hard work and, and my effort, but the other thing is, uh, in real life, I am an educator. And in the world of education, the most important thing you can do is establish community. And I think that sense of establishing community is something that needs to expand into all aspects of our lives, right? If, if we're going to really enjoy our experience. And, you know, I try to bring that on top of just providing analysis. Well, it certainly shows through the content that you put out. That goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. I appreciate um, that. Well, it looks like we've up. Oh, we've got one last question here, and then uh, we'll call it a wrap after this, and that we'll good. Uh, plug your content one more time. But uh, any players that you're expecting to hit that notorious sophomore slump, um, and I'll expand on that question and say. Anybody on your do not draft list already? I know it's early and things can change, but as of right now, anybody on the do not draft list? Who sophomore slump? That's a good one. Let's see. So guys who I think maybe outperformed a little bit last year. Uh, you know, I'm a little worried about Chase Claypool. I, I, I don't necessarily have the highest of expectations for him going into this year, even though he played pretty well. Um, let's see. I think the running backs are pretty fair valued. I would, oh, uh, James Robinson. James Robinson is somebody who I know folks who are right on him. They really want to hold on to him and keep being right on him. But I think Jacksonville brings in a running back. I wouldn't be surprised if they use that that top of the second pick on on guy like Travis Etienne. And then also bringing a guy in free agency. So, you know, James Robinson is probably the best answer for this question. Um, and I, I don't want to suggest I'm not drafting him because I was one of his biggest advocates and I have him everywhere. And I love Justin Jefferson. All right. I'm, I'm establishing that. I love Justin Jefferson. But I think what Justin Jefferson did in his rookie year is what he's going to do. Right. So, like, I, I think he can be a very dang good player, but let's not forget the offense that he operates in and, you know, the high volume that it requires. So he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be a wide receiver one for a while, but, you know, uh, now is not the time to buy. Like you should have bought already and, and don't, don't, you know, go expecting him to be the wide receiver one this season because I'm not sure he's going to do that, but I think he's always going to live in that wide receiver, you know, five six to ten range as i scroll to put folks on the trading block i've made <laughs> great mistakes um just kidding uh 
It's been a great time having you on here, Matt. I uh, hope you enjoy yourself as well as as much as I did, at least. Um, but uh, give us a rundown one more time. Who you are, where you come from, what you got going on. Yeah, first and foremost, man, I, I had a blast. This is fun. I, I love this format. I think when we first talked about this, uh i was like yeah i'd never done it but like let's do it <laughs> like let's give it a shot so um you know i i definitely in- enjoyed this and uh i'll try to hit it all uh because right now right now is the grind uh on twitter at the ff underscore educator uh same name if you want to check out the patreon like i was talking about you know uh patreon.com slash the ff educator three dollars a month and you get uh 80 83 rookie profiles finished and we're going to try to get that uh, in the hundreds by the end of this thing here. And I have 169 players ranked right now and just adding those profiles as we go. Uh, rookie ADP, as well as my top 200 Devi players uh, formatted in big boards by position and class here as well as my dynasty rankings, top 200 guys by position. Um, and then also I have a cornerstone board on there. So top 75 guys from the 2021 and 22 classes. So just kind of comparing over the course there. I know that's something a lot of folks are interested in. And that's just three bucks a month. And, you know, you you could go up from there and get some like personalized roster advice and calls and and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, the Patreon is where I'm putting out a lot of content right now. Uh, Rookie Big Board Podcast is an audio podcast. It is also a YouTube show. Uh, And on top of that, I have some just like bonus videos that I do on there. Uh, for my, you know, just for my own entertainment and uh, Dynasty, okay, NFL Draft Bible uh, Podcast Network. That's where the draft seminar is on, but there's four other awesome shows on the Draft Bible Podcast Network. So it's a daily NFL Draft Dynasty and Devi Podcast Network feed that has exploded since we launched that. So that's been fun as well. Uh, and si.com slash NFL slash draft is where you can find all the written content. So I think I got it all. I, I think that's it. Like I said, you turn out content like a machine. Uh, you and the <laughs> team. I'll I'll add the team as well because we all know that one man does not a not a great thing make. So, uh, like if if you think what I just rambled off is a lot, uh, just like uh, just seeing what these guys are are doing every day, man, it, it's incredible. They're they're doing even more than me. And they're probably in classy leagues. So <laughs> kudos to them. Kudos to them. Uh, but thanks again, Matt. Uh, it's been nothing but a pleasure. Uh, would love to have you on uh, once we get closer to the season, really at your convenience. Uh, open invitation, obviously. Um, but any last words before we sign off? Oh, man, we'll make it happen. And uh you know, I'm in the Discord, so I'll be hanging around too. So, you know, feel free if folks, you know, have specific questions about anything and want to follow up or, you know, I'll try to be hanging around here uh, and just, just you know, uh, participate in this Discord as well. I'll have to whip up, whip up a Sports Illustrated role in that case and uh, get you on there. So, perfect. Yeah. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, we'll uh, set up a podcast feed and channel for the content that, you put out there because yeah the i love ser- that. That'd the, be the great. we could definitely use that down in the helpful resources section so we'll get that all set up here this weekend um 
I'll let you go now here for the rest of the night. I'll quit boring you. Um, and I'll let the user base here uh, get onto their hot dates. I'm sure everybody's got hot dates. <laughs> They're here listening in. Uh, but like I said, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming on Friday evening. Uh, can't wait to do it again. And we will certainly be in touch soon. 